Okay. Hey everyone, welcome and welcome back to the crossover episode that I honestly never thought I would see. Of all the two shows at whatever you say productions, I never thought that the science guys would be here on When I Knew or that I, for what I knew, would be over in the science section. But hey, there's a first time for everything. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Samantha. I'm the chief anchor here at Whatever You Say Productions. And I host a lot of different shows, uh, but one of them is called When I Knew, where we focused on human interest pieces. Season one was all about human interest. Season two was about life lessons. And now here we are in season three, and I am pregnant. Woo! So I wanted to, <laughs> I yeah. wanted to this season to talking about pregnancy. And I've said it in the bio. I say it in the podcast description. If you're looking for a podcast that's going to talk about cute DIY projects to do in your nursery, girl, turn this off now. This is not the one for you. What I want to address is the horrendous toxicity that is the parenting community and the mommy shaming community. And basically just in a nice but firm way, shut everyone up. Because I've got the guys from WISP Science and the podcast Microscope here with me. And we're going to talk about the science behind getting pregnancy, et cetera, et cetera. So I am not here alone. I am with Kevin and Mike. Guys, how are you doing? Introduce yourselves. Hey, everyone. I'm Kevin from Microscope. And I'm Mike from Microscope. <laughs> <laughs> we should do our introduction how we normally do. And do welcome it. back. I forgot what we do because I think we change it up every time. It's been a minute, yeah. Yeah, but thanks for having us, Sam. But then you like you go back and you're like, wait, I don't think that's what we say. Let me say what we normally say, and then you do the welcome, welcome back. I listen oh, to your welcome episode. and welcome back. <laughs> yes. So, Kevin, you, I talked a little bit about you guys in the last episode that came out. So you're getting a PhD in what? In molecular and cellular biology, um, specifically in the biology of uh, photosynthetic uh, microorganisms. Uh, but I dabble in all sorts of stuff, as we've heard on Microscope. <laughs> we <laughs> dabble. We, we are dabbling <laughs> all around. And Mike, what are you getting your PhD in? So I'm getting my PhD in microbiology. More specifically, I study how microbes in the Amazon jungle play a role in methane emissions. Yes. So, so that's very are... earthy, but like, I love pregnancy. I'm all about <laughs> Well, that's what I I'm love saying. Babies. People are probably like, why the hell does she have like botanists coming on the show? But I mean, truly, the reason behind it is, is this. <laughs> Not botanists. No, yeah. I know, but for people who aren't in the scientific community, they're like, oh, plants, you know? But here's the thing, is we hear about mommy shaming, we hear about the toxicity in the parenting community, and I can tell you from firsthand experience over the last 19 weeks, it is a very, very real and very discouraging thing to try and be a part of. You know, you're reaching out and you're trying to figure out if you're the only one having this experience or that experience, and you are hit with... 50 different pieces of advice, half of which are based on fact, half of which are based on fiction. And before you know it, you're feeling like absolute shit and you're even more confused now than you were before. So one of the challenges that I faced when I first got pregnant was, you know what? I had a miscarriage about a year ago. I'm going to just go into this pregnancy joyful. It's a gift. And I'm going to start telling some of my closest friends. Girl, you would have thought that I burned down some people's villages because I have 
some people in my life that either are currently struggling or have seriously struggled with getting pregnant and fertility in the past, whether it was uh, because of the, the man, the woman, both, nature, whatever you want to call it. The perspective that I want to offer through Mike and Kevin is just how difficult it is to get pregnant. And then all the things that can go horribly wrong and there's literally nothing you can do about it within those first, we'll call it 12 weeks, give or take six to 12 weeks. So Kevin, I want to start with you because I know that you've done your research and Mike, I know you have as well, but I'm going to start with Kevin. Don't get Throwing me under the bus. Wow. I'm just kidding. But Kevin, I do, I want to ask you, um, actually getting pregnant can you talk to me just about how completely absolutely ideal the conditions must be in order for a woman to successfully get pregnant that's a great question let's break it up or take it up even higher level yeah and look out how incredibly intricate and complicated process of life existing itself is we have a body made of trillions of cells. Each one of these trillions of cells has thousands to millions of different molecules, which must interact in precise ways in order for us to be alive, breathe, and having this damn conversation right now. So that's our starting point. Now we want to take that and create new organisms from existing ones. It's just the complexity of the process cannot be overstated. So let's go. It's to almost more. like it takes billions of years for it to happen. Precisely. Yeah. And it, it, let's go to the first stages of pregnancy that everybody loves to talk about. The actually getting the sperm to meet the egg. There is so much research um, about how that actually happens. Really fun fact I wanted to point out is the old uh, idea that the sperm race one another and only. <laughs> manliest most successful sperm will fertilize the egg that's a little bullshit it doesn't work like that in fact mm -hmm. um there's evidence to suggest that the egg cell actually produces hormones which allure the sperm towards it so it could be an opposite Ooh. direction but then at that point um fusion is a whole nother thing membrane fusion a very complex process um, that is not going to work every time once the sperm has fused into the egg's membrane, then we have the uh, recombination of genetic material. All of these stages are extremely nitpicky in that there's lots of things that have to be in the right place at the right time for everything to work right. We're not mm -hmm. even to a fucking embryo yet. Like right. that was just like the first couple steps. Mm -hmm. And then actually yeah. just for fun, I think we can put this up as a supplemental uh, figure with the episode. I'm looking at this uh, for embryonic implantation. When the fertilized embryo is implanting into the wall of the uterus, there's this great uh, figure from some review paper, and there's like 20 fucking uh, regulatory molecules that are interacting in this figure. It's crazy looking. So, yeah, if anyone thinks this is just a walk in the park, um, take a look at this and remember this is just one step in a process that is hundreds of steps long. Exactly. And yeah, really not a lot you personally can do about any nope. one of those little and things. I, Kevin, I am so glad you just said that because for me and my husband, getting pregnant was not easy for us. Like it wasn't simple. 
we were doing, we, I mean, cause my husband's a scientist as well. So he's like, okay, we're going to take your temperature. We're going to do this and this and this. And at this time of day, and I'm like, girl, listen, I'll just, I'll, I'll just lay here and uh, wait for you. <laughs> you know, I, I, I let him take the lead because he knew what he was doing. But when you're having trouble getting pregnant and this is the, you know, when I knew side of things and you're getting negative tests after negative tests, it is so easy to turn around and blame yourself. Oh, it's because of me. I'm, I weigh too much. I'm <clears throat> drinking too much caffeine. My uterus is broken, whatever. And then the man is thinking, oh my gosh, maybe there's something wrong with my sperm. Maybe I'm not in the right position, whatever. And I want to talk about this because Mike, that is so loud. Oh my God, Mike. For fucking you. Okay, for the record though, for the record, it's just seltzer water. That's fine. It doesn't matter. It's, there, <laughs> it's the it's sound. It's just seltzer water. So I just, I, I want to offer this to people because doctors will tell you it's not your fault. It's not your fault. I don't like to use the word fault. And there's a, there's a scientific reason for it because it quite literally is no one's fault if things are not working. It is rocket science. So, so Mike. Samantha. We, the sperm has met the egg. Things right. are starting to, to tickle and happen. So what can go wrong in this next phase? Right. So I think before I get into that, I, I quickly want to touch on just like not the complexity, but also like I think the stage of life you're in also adds to that. So I mm -hmm. think a lot of people nowadays, like our age and, you know, our thirties and late twenties, like we're, we're seeing that there are actually like a lot of difficulties getting pregnant. And that's because our species was never meant to get pregnant at this age. You know, mm -hmm. like this is, this is not me saying that no. you know, people can get pregnant. It's just like, we are built where like after a certain point, the chances of things going wrong just increase, right? Yes. And then so like, just cause those chances are increased, then all those other things are also um, increased and this pregnancy may or may not happen. So mm -hmm. wait, I totally forgot what I was talking so about. So I, well, they say that you know, once, a women, once a woman passes the right. age of 25, her chances of successfully getting pregnant on her own in a typical heterosexual relationship where the man and woman are having sex on a regular basis, it decreases every single year. And then a woman hits 35 and that little ticker on that chart just goes whoop, wow. way down, yep. way yeah. down. Like so, it's fascinating that like my mom got pregnant with my brother and I when she was, so she was pregnant with me when she was 34 and my brother when she was, Almost 36, I think. But yeah, like, I mean, it's, she was like a one and done kind of situation. But, you know, there's a... <laughs> so, okay, so now, so we've gotten to the point where sperm meets egg, but now let's talk about age aside, what has to happen next? And then what would be the most ideal condition other than being younger than 35 and certainly younger than 25 for the woman? Right, exactly. So I'm... I'm I want to talk about this in a very scientific manner. And so Go for it. after the initial fertilization, so fertilization is when the sperm meets the egg. And now at that point, there are so many things that need to happen. So first, 
that united embryo at that point, which is just the combination of both the sperm and the egg, needs to input itself into the uterus, okay? So there are, like, four steps that could go wrong with it. First, like, okay, you know, during that time, it's also dividing. During that division of those cells, something can go wrong. Moving to the uterus can go wrong. Implanting into the uterus can go wrong. And then even, like, once it gets to the uterus, at any point in the stage, the mother's body can be like, nah, this nope. is parasitic. Got to get rid of it. Yeah, get exactly. rid of it. Well, that's what and happened I, to me. Yeah. My, when I had my miscarriage, it implanted like just outside of the fallopian tube. And my body was like, I'm sorry. I really needed this to be like a couple millimeters down. So I'm going <laughs> to get rid of this. But because of where it was, the bleeding. I mean, they rushed me to the hospital. They thought that I was going to bleed out. I got very lucky that I did not, thank goodness. But yeah, like, and that was for the audience's reference and also for you guys, I was only, I think, like five or six weeks pregnant, you know? And so at that point, they mark your gestational period based off of the first day of your last period. So even though you may be sitting there thinking, oh, well, five weeks, six weeks, that's sort of a long time. Technically, I was only like, what, like maybe like, a week or two pregnant since I had had the sex. It was, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it's a wild time. Anyways, so all yeah. of that can go wrong. So Mike, I want you to talk then, and Kevin, I want you to chime in as well about what is the difference between a miscarriage, a missed miscarriage, a chemical pregnancy. Talk to me about those things. Mike, let's start with you. Let's start you with me. So, <laughs> well, no, I know what a chemical pregnancy is, and I know what a miscarriage is, but a mis- miscarriage that's a term I've never heard of. Kevin knows what it is. So let's start with you. Okay. Let's talk about a chemical pregnancy first, and I okay. want Kevin to put his input on this as well, because this is something that I had never heard of, and then I had one with my husband, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so what is a chemical pregnancy, Mike? Well... Wait, no, never mind. Maybe I don't know what a chemical pregnancy is. Kevin, what is a chemical yeah, pregnancy? I guess Honestly, Kevin did do his research. Let's not, did. yeah, let's not pretend that I didn't just look this up like 20 <laughs> minutes ago to be totally fair. So from what I could surmise, a chemical pregnancy was a subset of a miscarriage and was basically just that it happened so early on in the pregnancy um, situation that... <sighs> I think I think this was something a lot of times scientific things like this that get named like prior to the current paradigm in mm-hmm. science, um, like the current paradigm now in like developmental and cellular biology. I think this came before then because it's just okay. like there was no sign of any kind of embryo or fetus whatsoever. Right. At that point, it's just maybe 50, 500, 1,000 cells, something okay. you would have a hard time seeing even with a microscope. And good luck finding that in the discharge that likely um, yeah. accompanied that. So I think that's what the I understood is that it's the, like the chemical. Yeah. So it's when there is a chemical reaction. So it's when a sperm does meet an egg and the fertilization begins to take place. So she starts to give off the pregnancy hormone, but something goes wrong during that phase that Mike was just talking about. And there's no embryo to speak of. There's no embryo. There's no gestational sac. There's no yolk sac. There's no nothing. But there is a detectable amount of HCG, which is a pregnancy hormone. 
And that is what, unfortunately, can set off tests and get a lot of people's hopes up and then uh, no dice. Mm, I think okay. that's, yeah. So then let's talk about a miscarriage because a miscarriage is, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are, the type of person you are. It doesn't matter. A miscarriage is one of the single most formative and jarring things that a woman or a couple or a friend group or a family can go through. I can't even begin to describe how just debilitating it is physically, emotionally, and in every, in every other way. The important thing to remember about a miscarriage, just like when you're having trouble getting pregnant, a miscarriage is not your fault. I mean, unless you are physically going in or doing something to, to intervene, a, a spontaneous, unprovoked miscarriage is not your fault. So when you do have a miscarriage and you go to a hospital, the doctor's going to just usually be very blunt with you and be and say something to the effect of your body detected that this embryo was not viable or this fetus was not viable and it decided to evacuate on its own. Kevin, talk to me about how the body, the human body, can even determine that. And and what exactly are they referring to? Are they saying, oh, it, it could tell already that it was that this baby was going to have a congenital heart disease. It could tell already that your baby was going to be born with six legs and only needs two. Like, what exactly are they referring to when they say your body detected that this was not viable? That's a great question. I, two things that come to mind right away would be, one, um, some kind of immune mismatch. So usually, because the, the cells had grown from an embryo, which was an egg cell, which was originally in your body, it should have the immune signatures that, yes, this is part of my body. I should not attack it. This is okay to be here. Um, but if something during that developmental process got messed up where you were, uh, the embryo was exhibiting alternative immune receptors on the outside and the immune system caught wind of that and is like, this isn't us, destroy it, destroy it right now. That could be one mm -hmm. um, situation. Another thing that comes to mind is uh, just like we were talking about with the hormones involved in fertilization and implantation something to the tune of one of these hormonal feedback loops got out of whack. Perhaps the embryo was not expressing the right hormones for the exact uh, developmental stage it was in, and there was some kind of kill switch. These are all genetically pre-programmed. This is not something that will be affected too much by lifestyle or other, um, mm -hmm. other issues that I'm, I'm sure these things get blamed on a lot. Uh, but mm -hmm. those would be my two guesses as to what's going on. And when they say the body recognized it, that is a very blanket term for a right. lot of things that are not necessarily related to one another. But one could, from one perspective, um, uh, definitely from like a bedside manner perspective, it is an uh, easy way to kind of uh, personify what's going on within yeah. biologically. I remember when the so doctor said that to me, I was so confused. I was just like, what do you mean? Like my bot, like, does my body talk to itself? And I'm like, you know what? Screw yes, it. I'm going home. Absolutely. Me, get, take absolutely this IV out. Like I'm, I'm leaving. It was confusing. So, um, my, so yeah, I do want to add just one thing mm -hmm. to it. And I think everyone listening needs to understand that 
the embryo and the mother are constantly talking. Yeah. Like, you know, we think it's just this living inside this, you know, uterus growing and things like that. But th- there are constant signals being sent from mm-hmm. that growing embryo to the mother's body and the mother's body is processing it and sending information back. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why the placenta is so important. And I think that we don't really talk about the placenta a lot. Um, but a lot of uh, another reason I'm guessing that some things can go wrong within those first 12 weeks is because you're still dealing with a yolk sac and a yolk sac is different than a placenta. A yolk sac is there to provide very, very early nutrients and oxygen and work, you know, to get waste out and whatever. And it's sort of a very like basic prototype of a placenta. But once you get to the point where your placenta is there and now my baby is actually like, I think my baby's a little bigger than its placenta now, but for a while the placenta was bigger than the baby. Um, But basically what it does is it acts as a go-between between the mother and the baby. So the placenta is taking all the nutrients out of whatever it is that I'm eating and drinking and whatever my body is making, giving that to the baby and the baby's like, cool, thanks mom. And then putting all the waste and what they don't need back into the placenta. Now, not only does it serve as that function, but it also helps to stabilize what Mike and Kevin were just talking about so that my body does not take my baby's um, waste or my baby's anything and go, oh, this is foreign, get rid of it. The placenta is like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't just, this is just a a give and take. This is not an attack each other thing. Please everyone be quiet and let's just get through the next 20 weeks, please. Um, (laughs) Cause I'm I'm 19 weeks tomorrow. So like, yeah, if, if it were only that easy. And you know, it's also interesting that I only started noticing around about week 16, my daughter and I are two completely different people. Like she's at a point now where she can hear and she responds to sound and she responds to touch. So say for example, we're upstairs and we hear something crash downstairs. Not only do I hear it and react to it, but she hears it and reacts to it. I am an adult. I can say to myself, oh, that was the cats jumping off the dresser being assholes. But she's a tiny little baby. She doesn't know that. So it now takes me twice as long to get my heart rate to go down and to get everything to settle because even though I know it's fine, she doesn't know that. So I have to like sit there and I'm like, it's okay, it's all right. It's just your two cat sisters. But it is like the weirdest experience I think I've ever had to just That's have this so little person. Yeah. Isn't That's it? Really? So yeah, like wow. <laughs> it's really, really crazy. And she so far, like I know how to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom without waking her up, which is really good. Because if I do wake her up, she's like, oh, my God, let's dance. I'm like, no, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. We don't. Once upon a time, we used to dance until 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, We don't do that anymore. No, we don't. It has come and gone, my friend. So, all right. So now let's talk about a missed miscarriage. And this is the one thing that I even have trouble explaining because it happens, like, between... It happens like after a miscarriage, Kevin, Mike, do you guys know how to explain a missed miscarriage? No, I thought that was just when it it was the miscarriage was so subtle and unnoticeable. You just had your next period and it was okay. like nothing happened. Okay. And which is what most women experience because they like to say, 
you know, a lot of times you can have a miscarriage and not even know about it. And I'm sitting over mm-hmm. here thinking like, really? Because I knew. I thought it was dying. But I'm glad for the women who who don't know. So, um, so now here we are. Santa, baby, amniotic, you know, whatever. The risk of a miscarriage decreases to, I think, less than 1% after, I want to say, is it 20 weeks? It is 20 weeks, yeah. Okay. So if a woman does miscarry after 20 weeks, is it still because her body is like, oh my gosh, I didn't catch this before, but now that we've got basically all the major organs formed, we've got all the bones formed more or less, this isn't right. I'm so sorry. I've got to. I've got to say goodbye because that's when miscarriages and also, well, miscarriage just gets a lot more complex. So at that point in the pregnancy, what's happening to make okay. things go wrong? Right. So I, at that twentieth week mark, that's when cells have started to be in the right place. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to differentiate into the different types of cells that we think about. So the organ cells, the circulatory system, nervous, bones, and things like that. So everything before then, it's really cells are just worried about dividing and then becoming a specialized cell. Once okay. you get into that, you know, after that 20th week, then it's just specialized cells doing what they're supposed to do. So it's less of a chance for the whole like development to to go wrong and more of like, well, these specialized cells are messing up. And I still think like, especially after 20th week, and this is probably like my opinion, um, it, it's still very much not the mother's fault. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, unless, unless you're like being malnourished, but then, you know, that's at a right. disservice to yourself. Right. Unless you're going out of your way to purposely introduce a habit, a behavior, a chemical or something or something that, yeah. that you are specifically trying to say, no, this is not for me, then, yeah, the chances are really, really low. Um, I I don't want to get political, but like I just I do want to say for just one second, I completely understand why late term abortions are so upsetting because the and an abortion at any phase of a pregnancy is horrendously upsetting late term especially is uh, because the procedure is very different you are actively put into labor like you were given pitocin and you have to give birth to this mango sized little little thing um but and I we're going to stay out of the politics of this uh but Mike and Kevin there are some women who around 23, 24 weeks find themselves in an impossible situation where they've lost the heartbeat and they've just lost the baby. Um, and the doctor says to them, if we do not evacuate this fetus, you will die. What is that circumstance? What is that diagnosis and why? Is it because of the placenta? Is it because they're so far along and you know, baby is so much a part of mom at that point? What is that? It's really interesting. I don't know That's the answer exactly. Yeah. One thing I would um, go back to, though, is those hormonal circuits. 
if the baby is no longer alive, those hormonal circuits will not be functioning in the way mm-hmm. through the placenta in the way they're supposed to be and okay. could cause all sorts of problems. Uh, that's one thing I could think of. Uh, the other could be, and this is extremely morbid, just like actual necrosis of the tissue mm-hmm. of the baby itself. Of, yeah. And that yeah. would just be hugely problematic. Imagine something like you get an infection of the baby, of this now non-living right. baby in the uterus. Oh my fucking God, that sounds like a fucking horror movie. Yeah, it, um, I mean, it really does. but it's, it's a possibility too. And, you know, I think like what a lot of people don't understand, it's, you know, when the fetus dies and you need to go through a late term abortion. Yeah. So I didn't understand. I didn't even realize that was considered an abortion. If, if there's no heartbeat, no fucking activity, we still consider that we got to work on our, uh, our name. On our vocabulary. Yeah. It's, it's not, I, most yeah. doctors will call it a procedure, but I think that a lot of people who share particular political and religious views have more or less coined the term late-term abortion. But late-term abortion, I shouldn't say that they have coined it, because late-term abortion refers to an abortion that happens after, I think, 12 or 15 weeks. But they then stretch that out to 23 weeks, 24 weeks. But, like, again, what they're missing is the scientific facts and that that is not an abortion at that point. The fetus is no longer viable, so you can't argue that anymore. Um, and it is, it is a procedure. Like, it is a, that is a life-saving medical procedure at that point. Like, there's like, just no other way to put it. But, you know, we'll... Yeah, like, mm. not to, you know, make things sound even more morbid and disgusting, but you're, in a way, removing a tumor that has two genetic signature or has a different genetic signature than yourself. You yeah. know, it, yeah. yeah, it's heart wrenching all the same. Well, Mike and Kevin, I want to thank you guys so much for agreeing to do this series with me. I can't even tell you how excited I am about this. And James is really excited too. He's like, I'm going to tune in. I'm like, you're home with me when I'm recording this. He's like, <laughs> I know, but I'm going to tune in again. Hey. So uh, for those of you hey, who are interested <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that are interested in. in learning more, you can join us uh, at our website, which I recently zhuzhed up a little bit. It's wisp.us. Uh, you can listen to Mike and Kevin's show on all the same platforms as our show. Just look up Microscope, but it's spelled with a K because I wanted it to look like Mike because Mike hosts the show. He started it. And then a K for Kevin. I, I thought it was that. cute. It makes well. us unique. You can also <laughs> We like it. We love it. <laughs> You can also follow us on Instagram um, at underscore when I knew underscore. And then microscope is at underscore microscope underscore. I am much more active on the microscope uh, account than I am on the other ones, but that's okay. So for whatever you say productions, my name is Samantha. I'm Kevin. And I'm Mike. And we're from microscope. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll see you on our next installment where we're going to be talking about the fight for genetic dominance and why you can test for some predispositions, but not others. So stay tuned for that. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.